We are so glad that you have chosen to stream this audio, and we hope it will encourage you in your faith and your walk towards Christ-likeness. As a side note, we pray that this audio sermon is just supplemental in your relationship with Christ and in no way replaces the church you are plugged into or the pastor that God has put in your life to shepherd and care for your soul. And so with that said, please enjoy this sermon. We have prayed that God would use it in your life. Because the last thing that we want to do is talk about the gospel, talk about the good news of Jesus Christ, and not understand what that good news is. And so this morning, I want to talk about the heart of our faith, what the gospel is. Because that's what brings us together, is this good news. So Luke chapter 8, I'm going to read it for us and pray for us one more time. Just the first three verses here. Here's what Luke writes. He says, Soon afterward, he, talking about Jesus, went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager. And Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come before you this morning in need of your help, in need of your spirit to help us understand your word. God, would you work in our hearts and our minds today? Would you help us to understand the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of the kingdom of God? God, give us understanding. And not just the, the kind of intellectual understanding, but the kind of understanding that rests in our hearts that meets us where we are, that gives us hope in the midst of a life that is often hard, in the midst of a life in which we struggle against remaining sin. King Jesus, speak to our hearts now and show us who you are. It's in your glorious and beautiful name we pray. Amen. We're talking about good news. We're talking about the gospel this morning. That word gospel, it means good news. Whenever you read gospel, think good news. That's what it means. That's the simplest way to define the term gospel is good news. It's a message. And so whenever, whenever I ask this question, uh, in, and no matter the setting, it doesn't matter if I'm in a church setting or if I'm talking with unbelievers, it doesn't matter. Whenever I ask the question, what is the gospel, the, the sad truth about those conversations is most of the time, the answers I get are either I don't know or something that is not actually the gospel. You see, and that's a problem because the gospel is the heart of our faith. It is the Christian message. It means good news, but what is that good news? Most of us, if we're honest, if somebody asked us what that good news is, we could try to tell them, but we don't fully grasp it and understand it. We don't fully know how to define it. And so this morning, I want to talk about 
what the gospel is. I want to talk about what the good news about Jesus is, about the kingdom of God. And so let me, let me just give you a, a quick definition of the gospel or the good news as we start. The gospel or the good news is the message that Jesus the king has come to redeem and rescue his people and to establish his redemptive and benevolent rule over our hearts and one day the entire world, the entire cosmos. So the good news is that Jesus is a king and he's a good king and he's come for us. It's the good news. He's come to redeem us and rescue us from sin and its effects. And he's, he's not just come to redeem and rescue us. You know, it, maybe you remember back when churches were talking about the, the Savior, Lord kind of controversy and how it, it, it's not enough for Jesus to just be your Savior. He also has to be your Lord. What we're saying in that is that Jesus, yes, he's our Savior, but he's also our King. He's also the one that rules over our hearts and our lives. And, and, and this rule that he has, it's good. It's redemptive. It's benevolent. It's for our good. That's what that means. See, there, there, there's two common ways that I like to, to walk people through the gospel or the good news that kind of help them understand the whole of the good news, the whole of the message uh, that is so central to our faith. Um, and, and each one of them has four parts. And, and, it, and, and these ways of kind of talking about the gospel, they illustrate why it's necessary and why it's good news as well. And so I want to just run through them real quickly, and then we'll dive into our passage today and talk about a few things. But the first way that I like to walk people through the gospel is called the gospel on the ground. So this is, this is the gospel as it meets our personal lives, life on the ground. And it starts simply, the first, the first point of it, it has to start with God. Everything starts with God. That's where the beginning of the biblical story starts, right? starts with God, the creator. So whenever we talk about the gospel, we have to talk about who God is. We have to talk about that God is good, that God is holy, that he is perfect, and that he is the only one who has ever been only good. He is the only one who has been, always will be perfect. He's holy. He is always devoted to that which is good. And you see, if this is who God is, then the second point of understanding the gospel is we have to look at who we are. We have to understand man. So we look at who God is, and then we look at man, and we understand who, what, is, what is humanity in, in contrast with who God is. And when we look at us, we realize that we are unlike him. He made us to be like him, but we have chosen to rebel against his good plans and purposes for us. We've chosen to sin against him and against one another. We've chosen to do evil. We've chosen to do harm. And oftentimes we, we think, well, not me. I'm a pretty good person. But if we 
if we just saw our life and even our heart's motives and thoughts on a daily basis flash across and we had to watch it on a movie screen, we would remember the truth about us. The truth that we are not just good. In fact, there are many ways in which we have rebelled against God and and we have hurt other people with our sinful choices. Even the thoughts in our hearts are corrupted by the sin in us. And the Bible teaches us that sin separates us from God. It, It severs our relationship with him. And so now we see the problem. God is holy. He's always good. We are not. And this separates us from him. And so see, now we understand why why we need good news. Because sin brings about death and, and we don't have a way to overcome it. And so then we get to the good news. The third point of the gospel on the ground is is Jesus, it's Christ. It's who Jesus is and what Jesus has come to do, that Jesus is this perfect, holy, good God who has come and taken on human flesh so that he could stand in our place and that he could bear the punishment that should have been ours. That he would die the death that we should have died. And then three days later that he would be risen from the grave so that not only did he take our punishment for us, but he made a way for us to have life in him through his power. That's the hope that never changes. It's the hope that's unwavering. Is that in the person and work of Jesus, we can have eternal life, relationship with God forever. We can be reconciled to this God who is only ever good. And see, the fourth part of the gospel on the ground is, is now that we know this good news, it demands a response from us. It's a message. And whenever you get a message, I don't know about you, maybe you ignore all the messages you get. You let your email inbox fill up and you don't respond. But messages are meant to have a response. And even a no response is a response, right? A message demands a response. And we have to respond to this message, to this good news. Because if we don't respond to it, it's not good news for us. And the way we respond is, is through repentance and faith. We, we turn from sin. We turn from pursuing our own way in life. And we turn to Christ. We turn to God in faith, believing that he has loved us and done this for us. And so that's the gospel on the ground. That's the gospel as it meets our personal lives. But there's also the gospel in the air. This is kind of the 30,000-foot view. There's a great book if you want to read more about these two ideas, the gospel on the ground and the gospel in the air. It's called The Explicit Gospel by Matt Chandler. It's phenomenal. But the gospel in the air... It starts with creation. It tells the story of the good news from the perspective of the whole story of the Bible and what God is doing with all that he's made. So it starts with God creating everything good. 
And good, if you remember when we were in the book of Genesis, good is defined as, as functioning according to God's plans, according to the way that it was intended to be. And then the second part of the gospel in the air is the fall. We get to Genesis chapter 3, a couple chapters in, and that's where humanity rebels against God. And humanity was set over creation as stewards, and all of creation was affected by our stewardship, by our poor stewardship. We we sinned against God, and, and everything under our care was affected by it. So God, the gospel in the air, God created all things good and then we rebelled against him and everything was broken. Us and the world around us. I don't know about you, but when I look at our world, I see the brokenness today. I don't know how we could not see it in the days in which we're living. The way that we treat one another the way that we engage our culture and, and do so with, with such a lack of compassion and grace for people, people made in God's image like us. And there's brokenness. And so once again, we see the need for good news. And we get to point three of the gospel in the air and it's redemption. It's that Jesus the King has come to bring about the redemption of his people. And, and the gospel in the air, it doesn't just stop there with Jesus coming to redeem us. It, it, it stops with, with the end when Jesus returns and he restores all things. He makes all things new. He wipes every tear from our eyes. And everything is once again good. Every wrong has been made right. Justice flows down. People enjoy the grace of God and worship him together forever. All is restored. This is how the gospel or the good news in the air at the 30,000 foot level, it's how it ends. It's a good ending. You know how when you're watching a movie and and something happens to your favorite character, there's the, there's, the, there's the problem, and then you're just waiting for the end of the movie and you're hoping that everything is resolved. Well, the good news is that our story has a moment like that, where everything is resolved, where Jesus himself returns and restores this broken world and those of us in it. You see, so this is the gospel on the ground and in the air. And, and, and it's, a, it's a helpful way of kind of walking people through where does this message start and why do we need it and why is it so good? And what does it demand of us? It's, it's a helpful way to walk people through, but, but here's my fear that I want to share with you this morning. Is that somehow, even as we walk through with people, helpful tools like this to help us understand the Christian message, the gospel, the good news. I think sometimes we miss a really key aspect of the good news, a really key aspect that Jesus talks about regularly in the gospels. That's the aspect that the good news is about a kingdom. Look with me at our passage today. 
Here's what, here's what it says. Luke writes for us about, about Jesus' ministry and what he's doing. In verse 1 it says, Soon afterward he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing, listen to this, the good news of the kingdom of God. You see, whenever, you, whenever you're reading your Bible and you see a word like of, you might just circle it because it's, it's about to tell you something more about what you just read. Whenever we see that, that short word of here, it's defining good news for us. It's, it's not just good news, it's the good news of the kingdom of God. The good news is about a kingdom, friends. The good news is, is the announcement of a king and his kingdom, and it calls for our allegiance. It calls for our trust. It calls for us to follow him. The good news is about a king and his kingdom. You see, why, why, did, why did the Jewish people, why did, why did the Jews want Jesus dead? Have you ever thought about this? Why, why did the Jews want Jesus dead so badly? It's because he claimed to be God. Jesus, throughout his ministry, as he's preaching and as he's healing the sick, as he's delivering people from the demonic, as he is raising the dead, he's proclaiming something about himself, that he alone is God, that he is God in the flesh, come to save his people. This is why the Jewish people wanted him dead, because, because they thought it was blasphemy. And if it wasn't true, it would be. But Jesus, he claimed to be God because he is. And the Jews wanted him to die for it. That's why the Jews wanted to kill him. But why did the Romans want to kill him? You see, maybe, maybe we've thought about why the Jewish people wanted Jesus dead, that he proclaimed a message about himself, that he was God. And, and so the Jewish people, this just didn't comport with them, and they, they wanted him to die. But, but have you ever thought about why the Romans wanted him dead? Other than just to kind of appease the Jewish people who were upset. Why would the Romans care so much about this man dying? It's because he proclaimed that he was a king. It's because Jesus... Everywhere he went, he was proclaiming and bringing the kingdom of God. He was proclaiming a kingdom, and that was a political threat to the ruling power of the day in Rome. And it couldn't be tolerated. Did you know that the gospel was political? Have you ever thought about it like that? That the good news about Jesus has political implications because Jesus, what he proclaims about himself is that he is king, that he is the king of kings, that he is the one good king of all. You see, the gospel is inherently political. That's why it's such a problem when, as Christians, we say, uh, well, well, don't talk about politics. Let's just talk about the Bible. 
Because friends, if, if your Bible, if your faith, if your faith in Jesus doesn't have any implications for some of the biggest issues of the day, for some of the hardest things for people to talk about, then man, what kind of faith is that? Have you ever thought about that the gospel has political implications? And when I say that, I don't mean, I don't mean that the gospel is going to tell you which political party to be a part of. That's not what I'm saying. Or who to vote for. What I'm saying is that Jesus proclaimed himself to be the king. And if we want to call ourselves Christians... If we want to say we're followers of Jesus Christ and we trust in him alone as our Savior and Lord, as our Redeemer and King, then that means that our primary and ultimate allegiance belongs to him alone. You see, we live in the midst of a world in which, as Christians, we have a dual citizenship. If we're reconciled to God through our faith in Christ, that means we are citizens of the kingdom of God. And that is our primary identity. We belong to God. And he is our king. But we also live as citizens of a nation on this world. A nation that has all sorts of problems. All sorts of hardship all sorts of tension, all sorts of arguments, all sorts of hurting people and problems that need real solutions. And so we have to figure out, as dual citizens, how does our primary allegiance to Jesus Christ the King how does our faith in Christ and our knowing who he is and what he's done for us and what his word teaches us throughout the scriptures about what is good, right, and true, how does that shape how we engage our country, our city, our context when it comes to political issues? And I don't have time to, to dive into all the implications of that, but if you've never realized that it ought to have an implication, that it ought to shape how you view 2020, how you're going to engage in the election this year, and I'm not telling you who you should vote for, but I'm telling you that your faith in Jesus ought to have a profound shape on that. And if it doesn't, then you're not seeing some things about who Jesus is and what he's called us to, because he's called us to a comprehensive discipleship, a comprehensive following of him. He is our king. He is where our primary allegiance lies. Because here's the thing. As much as I think there are so many good things about our country, I mean, we, we, we see a lot of problems, a lot of real problems that need real solutions. 
There's also some good things, and that's why a lot of us live here. That's why some of us really love our country. There is no nation, though, that is eternal. There's no nation on earth that you can place your hope in because the kingdoms of this world all fall one day. And that might be a really scary thought for you, especially in a year like 2020, when so much is so hard. But the Bible has, has taught us throughout the scriptures that God is the sovereign. He is the one who rules over all the kingdoms of the world, and he raises them up and does away with them at his will. And so, friends, no matter what happens in our city, no matter what happens in our country, no matter what happens with the rest of 2020, I mean, goodness, I can't even imagine what the latter half of our year holds. But no matter any of that, friends, Jesus is king. Jesus is sovereign. Jesus is in control. And he's a good king. So whatever happens in life, in your personal life, in your city, in your nation, you can trust this king. And that's really good news when we look around and we're not sure who to trust. When maybe our, our faith in, in leaders and politicians is more damaged than ever. Gosh, sometimes it ought to be. But Jesus, he's always a good king. That's the second thing that I, I want you to realize that today is that the good news is good because God is a good king. Because Jesus is our king. It's good news you see, I think back, I, you all know that I love the Marvel movies. They are my favorite, okay? And that's why I use so many illustrations from them. If you haven't watched them, you really should. One of my absolute favorites is Black Panther. It, uh, oh my gosh, it is one of the best movies ever made, I think. Um, it, it might be my favorite Marvel movie. It's, it's pretty up there. Um, but in, in the movie, here's, here's what happens. They, there's this kingdom called Wakanda. Okay? And there's this king who's been recently installed, and his name is T'Challa. And, and he is a good king. He loves his people. He loves his kingdom. In the movie, spoil, spoiler alert, you know, so plug your ears if... This is going to ruin it for you. But there's a man who's not such a good king who ends up taking the throne. And he doesn't just want good for, his, for the people. He's got some mixed motives and some hurt and some bitterness that are making him do some, some really awful things that are totally out of line with what this kingdom of Wakanda has been all about. And some of the people are afraid because they thought that the good king was dead. 
then by the end of the movie, you realize the good king is still alive. And he comes back. And he sits on the throne once again. And he's out for the good of his people. And, and his people have hope again because their good king is alive and present and ruling. So you see, friends, this is really illustrative of the Christian message, right? There was a moment that we'll read about later in the Gospel of Luke where, gosh, the darkness must have been so oppressing and hard because their good king died. But three days later, on the third day, he was risen from the grave and the good king is once again on his throne, ruling and reigning over all, and he's doing it for the good of his people. You see, the gospel is good news because we have a good king who is out for our good. So when Jesus comes proclaiming and bringing this good news about the kingdom of God, gosh, it is good because it's about him. This man who healed the sick, who gave sight to the blind, who allowed people who hadn't heard the voice of another human being to hear their loved ones once again. Doing all these beautiful things for hurting people. It's not just that he does amazing things for hurting people, it's that he makes a way for our evil, rebellious hearts to be reconciled to him. That this king even seeks the good of his enemies. That he wants their redemption and reconciliation. That he has sought us out. When I say he seeks the good of his enemies, friends, I mean us. I mean, he has sought us out. He has sought to redeem us. He has sought to make us a part of his good kingdom once again. He has done this. The good news is about a kingdom. The good news is good because God is a good king. And the good news is a message to be proclaimed and a reality to be brought When we look at the ministry of Jesus, it says in verse 1 here that he went on through the cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. Because here's the thing about the good news of the kingdom of God, friends. It is a message, but it's also a reality. It is a message of good news and hope. It is something to be proclaimed but it is also a reality that God himself is bringing about. And Jesus demonstrated this when he healed the sick and raised the dead. Jesus demonstrated this probably most of all when he himself was risen from the grave, when he conquered death himself. That's why we sang about our unwavering hope earlier. Friends, it really not, is not about your and I's ability to muster up hope because life is really hard sometimes and there's going to be moments where you can't. There's going to be moments where you are weak, where you don't have it in you to muster up hope. 
And so you need a hope that never changes when life changes all around you. You need a hope that is rock solid because it doesn't rest on you, it rests on God himself who is unchanging because it rests on the person and work of Jesus Christ that has already been accomplished for us. Friends, what Jesus has done for you will never change. He has already done it for you. And he's not done working for your good. He's not done. Jesus one day, the good king, he's gonna return again. And what we talked about with the gospel in the air, that last point of it, the restoration, where everything wrong is made right, that's gonna happen. Every tear is gonna be wiped from our eyes. Justice will roll down. God's people will enjoy his mercy and grace forever. And we'll sing about it together. Every nation, tribe, and tongue. God God has this amazing way of bringing us together around his throne when we can't find a way to come together ourselves because he's a good king and he's out for our good, friends. And he's gonna bring the reality of the kingdom fully. He's already begun to establish it now. And the place that he establishes it, hear me in this, because yes, we're waiting for the full reality of the kingdom of God to be present on earth. We are awaiting that day. But the kingdom of God is good news because it's already begun. Jesus has already begun to establish his redemptive and benevolent rule and reign. You know where he does that? In the hearts of his people. Jesus the king wants to sit on the throne of your heart. Yeah, he wants to be your savior, your rescuer, your redeemer, your healer. But he also wants to be your king. And when you get Jesus, you get both. You don't get just one or the other. Jesus is the king, and he's a good king, and you can trust him. I really hope you will. Because here's the thing about the good news. This message is offered to all people everywhere, to all who would believe The good news is good for all who believe, for all who trust this king. It's good for sinners and sufferers, which means it's good when when what we most need is forgiveness and cleansing from sin, from the awful things that we have done in rebellion against God that hurt other people as well. When what we most need is forgiveness cleansing, redemption. It's good news for us. 
but it's also good news when what we most need is healing and hope in the midst of suffering in a broken, fallen world. When we lose loved ones, when friendships aren't what you hope they would be, when we can't meet all together as a church because there's a global pandemic happening and only some of us can get together in person. When there are whole groups of people hurting in our country because of hundreds of years of violence and oppression. It's good news because it's good news for sufferers too. Because the good news is about both our redemption and the restoration of all things. And so this good news, is it's good for all who believe, both sinners and sufferers. It's also good news for all kinds of people, every nation, tribe, and tongue, but also both young and old. And, and, and I hope, as we see here, men and women You see, one of the things that I often hear from people who are skeptical about the good news of Christ and about the Bible is that the Bible was written by white men for white men. And friends, nothing could be further from the truth. The Bible is is about the good news about a Middle Eastern man who came to redeem and rescue his people and to die in their place. The good, the, the, we receive this good news through the scriptures that were written by a bunch of Middle Eastern people. And as we read throughout the scriptures, we even see a couple of books that are devoted to showing how God used some heroic women of faith, whole books of the Bible, dedicated to showing what God did through some amazing women who trusted him. When life was really hard and things were broken. I mean, gosh, if, if you read the book of Ruth, gosh, I don't have time to get into it all, but what an amazing story of faith that doesn't make any earthly or worldly sense didn't make any sense for, for Ruth to trust this God. But she did. And then, guess what, friends? God ended up bringing about our Redeemer through her line. He used her and her faith in him to one day bring about his son being born as a baby that would one day die on a cross for us the son of David, the son of God, the son of man. And Esther, gosh, I wish I had time to talk about it all. You gotta go read it. You gotta go read it. An incredible woman of faith that trusted God and God used her to once again bring about the redemption and hope of his people. 
And so, friends, this idea that the Bible, that we often hear, that it's written by white men for white men, as though it's not good news for all the peoples of the world and men and women, as though it's not good news for all, is just not true. Look at this passage with me today. After it talks about what Jesus is doing and proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God, it says, and the 12 are with him. These were his apostles, the disciples he first called to himself. And then it says this in verse 2, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. And then it's going to tell us about three specific women who were followers of Jesus and an intimate part of his ministry that contributed financially to his ministry, that, that made his ministry possible. These women, in, in some very real ways, bankrolled the ministry of Jesus. Look at what it says. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. She would have been an outcast. And Jesus delivers her, and, and she follows him, and she's a, a huge part of his ministry. She's going around with him and participating and continuing to learn from him. And then Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager. You see, if, if you don't think that the gospel has political implications... Look at this woman. She's following Jesus. The gospel has reached high places in this society, places of power. And you got to imagine that, that this would have been such a hard thing to do for a woman like this, to follow this man who's proclaiming that he's the king of a kingdom with the role of her husband in the existing government. Then we see Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. That means they worked hard and they contributed financially. I mean, Joanna probably had some significant resources You see, friends, and, and there's an aside here that all of us, like what God gives us to do in life, our vocation, what he allows us to do for a job, ultimately, we work for what he provides anyways. He's our provider. And then we use our financial resources to be about his mission wherever he's called us wherever he's made us a part of that mission so that we too contribute out of our means to the mission and ministry of Jesus Christ that continues through his people wherever he sends them. That's a beautiful thing that God has made us a part of together. You see, friends, you got to understand that this good news is good and it's good for all people who would believe. He really is a good king. He really is out for your good. He really has made a way for us to be reconciled to God forever. And, and that reconciliation we have with God will also 
reconcile the peoples of the earth around his throne forever. We will sing together. We will worship the king together. We will rejoice and hope together. And, and here's my hope, is that God would just continually in greater and deeper ways that Jesus, the king, would continue to establish his redemptive and benevolent rule in our hearts today. So that as we engage our world, as we live our lives, we might demonstrate to the watching world around us that our king is good and that he's a savior and redeemer and he's a good ruler that has our good in mind and that Jesus might use us to proclaim and bring about his kingdom. It's a beautiful thing that he's made us a part of. Let's pray. King Jesus, we are humbled by the opportunity to know you, to follow you, to be reconciled through you. God, we are in desperate need of you and you to continue to establish your redemptive rule and reign in us. God, would you do so so that it changes how we live our lives, it changes how we love people, it changes how we engage with our city, our culture, our country. God, would you cause your redemptive rule and reign to change everything about us, to make us more like you, even as we trust in you this morning. And Lord, I know that there are people maybe in this room, in our church, even some watching from home, that they need this kind of unwavering hope that can only be found in who you are and what you've done. So God, would you help us in our weakness? Would you help us to rest in our unwavering hope and you are good king. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.